Part One of Silly Verses Selections from Shores, Carol, Lear, and Gilbert. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. Silly Verses Selections from Shores, Carol, Lear, and Gilbert by Various. Part One Gay Gods and Merry Mortals. Humorous verses about Actian, Adonis, Proserpine, Anorexity, Penelope, Sappho, Syrinx, Tithonus, Ariadne, Io, Dido, and Daphne, 1910, by Robert J. Shores. Proem Some ancient tales of pagan days the author of this book relates, explaining how in diverse ways the gods displayed their human traits, and how they oft in other years said human beings by the ears belike these rhymes recall to you the jingles of the poet sax the poet here is saxon too and so must needs relate his facts in such a way that they are clear and suited to the saxon ear some anecdotes which homer told you'll miss in this but reader pray consider what was good of old would never pass the mails to-day and hence this history belated has been well slightly expurgated actian he saw her charming but he saw not half the charms her downcast modesty concealed thompson Actian, with the winding horn, pursued the chase in ardent youth, and what he wore when he was born, and little else to tell the truth. For in those days of which I speak, they just changed sandals once a week, and as he wandered from the path, chanced on Diana in her bath. All trembling, like a startled fawn, upstarted then the goddess chaste, sprang from the pool the bank upon and donned her crescent in great haste for to her credit be it said she did wear something on her head then the conventions satisfied gazed on actian haughty-eyed actian tumbled in a trice that he had got himself in dutch but thought if quite polite and nice she would not mind the thing so much so the poor fool in this fond hope said tell me did you use pears soap diana vexed to hear the gag forthwith made actian a stag the moral is if you should chance upon a lady in the nude remember this sad circumstance for she'll get even if you're rude and conversation if uncouth may cost you dear in naked truth Adonis. Dan Cupid, with a broken shaft, had bent his granddad Jove quite double, and then to cap the climax laughed, and so he found himself in trouble. Up on that august lap was yanked, and thoroughly and soundly spanked, till Cupid, saddened, sobered, sore, wished that his wings had sprouted lower dan cupid then in rage and grief straightway set out to find his mother who stitched upon her evening leaf she swore she didn't have another or if she had she still would swear she had none that was fit to wear 
and so the naughty youngster found her with leaves and sewing girls around her when venus heard her infant's wail in apprehension she besought him to tell her all his angry tale then to her breast she breathless caught him and as his tear-stained face she kissed upon an arrow scratched her wrist so in her veins in this strange fashion was introduced the germ of passion indignant at the godlet's tale she hastened to protest to zeus her lovely cheek with anger pale she was prepared to raise the deuce but as olympus mount drew near she spied adonis chasing deer and in a moment from her head all thoughts of wrath and cupid fled straightway she hitched her gentle team of doves and left her carriage standing for this fair youth to her doth seem a hero comely and commanding although in fact and eke in truth he was a simple country youth and so it happened that the queen of beauty found him shy and green now venus veteran at the game of flirting would not be denied as goddesses can feel no shame she soon was anchored to his side do what he would he could not shake her go where he would he had to take her until one morn upon the plain she found the fair adonis slain this story should a warning be to maidens bold who wish to woo for if you seek your lover he most certainly will not seek you all men may love but just the same they would be hunters not the game adonis so the story saith was really simply bored to death proserpina forth reaching to the fruit she plucked she eat earth felt the wound and nature from her seat sighing through all her works gave signs of woe that all was lost milton on etna's isle dis pluto drove his devil wagon one fine day and passing through fair inna's grove beheld proserpina at play he asked will you not take a ride you're very kind the maid replied and stepped into his turnout swell and that was how she went to hell for pluto whipping up his team sped on toward tartarus in mirth and when opposed by scion's stream he took a short cut through the earth nor paused nor drew his rein before he heard cerberus welcome roar and sniffed the smell of singeing soul by which he knew he'd reached his goal ceres proserpina's mamma was most amazed with grief and fear as to proserpina's papa his name i never chanced to hear she cursed for all that she was worth the crops and fruits of mother earth you'll bear no fruit she told the ground until my prosy has been found jove who beheld the farmer's need and saw the season's crops all fail said this is serious indeed that fellow dis should be in jail i think said juno twere as well it does no good to give him hell and so it might have been decreed but for one small pomegranate seed in hades ceres daughter sweet was offered luscious bread and jam 
but she was much too cross to eat and even scorned the deviled ham until at last she made a slip and swallowed a pomegranate pip now they who eat in hell alack to earth may never more come back the moral is don't take a chance joy riding with a strange chauffeur remember this sad circumstance or you will get in trouble sure if you must go don't go alone the devil hates a chaperone so mind the pips and look alive dis pluto often goes to drive a nazarite in cyprus dwelt a nazarite a maiden famous for her beauty with disposition far from sweet who looked on flirting as a duty tis said she scarcely would despise at slaves and such to roll her eyes till most the men of cyprus were in love or half in love with her young iphas was a worthy lad and born of parents poor but proud he was a credit to his dad until one day while in a crowd he chanced a college chum to meet out walking with a nazarite and when she rolled her lovely eyes poor iphas gasped in glad surprise one glance and iphas was her slave all other interests he forgot forgot to eat forgot to shave and rode in rhyme a deal of rot to prove his heart was at the feet of stony cold a nazarite who met his protest and his tears with cutting jests and crushing sneers for anna as do all coquettes so soon grew weary of his wooing and iphis took to cigarettes but still she answered nothing doing and added insult ne'er forgotten she thought his poetry was rotten and finally to fix his place she slammed the door in iphis face when iphis saw that all was past and knew that he could call no more he took a rope and made it fast and hanged himself before her door and when his funeral passed her place she thought to mock his pallid face but venus leaning from her throne had seen and turned the maid to stone at salamis her statue still points to the moral of this tale that any maid who flirts to kill is really quite beyond the pale and as for lovers let me say if she is bored just go away no gentleman and this i know will hang about when he's a de trop penelope good nature and good sense must ever join to err is human to forgive divine pope penelope a spartan maid the brave ulysses wooed and wed she in a modest blush arrayed he with a crown upon his head two hearts that beat as one no tear bedimmed their bliss for one whole year at ithaca they dwelt in peace not ithaca new york but greece alas scarce had been born their boy an infant very fair and bright when came a horrid war in troy and papa had to go and fight he left penelope in tears he went and stayed for years and years and while away i am afraid he sometimes wooed another maid 
in many lands he dwelt as guest of ladies of exceeding beauty ulysses it must be confessed in flirting quite forgot his duty he flirted here he flirted there in fact he flirted everywhere with calypso nausicaa circe and he a man of family mercy penelope dissolved in tears bewailed her spouse the faithless turk and stood off suitors twenty years by doing endless fancy work by day she made her stitches right but pulled them out again by night until her husband tired of larks came home and slew that bunch of sparks the husband even though he err and lead abroad a lively life dislikes when he comes back to her to find that others woo his wife ulysses lacked in morals true but she had quite enough for two may eros grant a wife to me as patient as penelope sappho sappho was pretty all agree some say that she was stately you cannot prove it though by me i haven't seen her lately in fact i do not now recall i ever saw the girl at all so we must take dame rumour's word that sappho was indeed a bird now sappho in her younger years was wooed by men aplenty and setting suitors by the ears amused her much at twenty she swore she'd not at twenty-five except the nicest man alive and laughed to scorn the ardent greek who sought to kiss her damask cheek but sappho finds as years roll on as oft a maid discovers that when a maiden's youth is gone gone also are her lovers no suitor hangs about her door to wait her coming as of yore and what is worse than all above just at this stage she falls in love just what she does if tales are truth fie on that rascal cupid is to select a verdant youth a handsome boy but stupid she tries her best to win his heart with all her once unfailing art but finds ah eros think of that that phaon thinks her old and fat poor sappho keenly feels the shame of love quite unrequited and though she knows herself to blame she feels her life is blighted and so when someone tells her if she will jump off a handy cliff twill cure her of her love and dumps she rushes out ah ah she jumps ah reader let us pause right here to drop a tiny briny tear alas alack oh woeful sight it cured her of her love all right fair maidens heed this circumstance don't jump off cliffs jump at your chance Syrinx poor nymph poor pan how he did weep to find naught but a lovely sighing of the wind along the reedy stream a half-heard strain full of sweet desolation balmy pain keats in greece there dwelt in days gone by a maiden huntress passing fair who lived beneath the open sky and dearly loved the open air although it really seems a shame to call a lady such a name this lovely nymph was called methinks 
s-y-r-i-n-x syrinx syrinx while following the chase was seen one day by ardent pan a god of most repulsive face a sort of burlesque on a man if we can trust what ancients wrote poor pan was really half a goat not like the peter pan to-day the mrs chase and adam's play when pan began swift to pursue the maiden in her terror fled i cannot blame her much can you and ran till she was almost dead but friendly spirits in a stream had heard and understood her scream and they had changed her in a wink to reeds upon the river's brink the god though thwarted in his scheme to win the nymph was not dismayed he plucked the reeds beside the stream and from them a syrinx he made the shepherd's pipes so came to man the music of the pipes of pan the moral there is none you see pan was as poets all agree a most immoral deity tithonus tithonus royal prince of troy all mortal maidens beauty scorning chose for his love presumptuous boy aurora goddess of the morning to her he wrote his royal rhymes for her he saved his royal dimes so well indeed he played his part he won at last the goddess heart aurora wise as gods must be was well aware that all men perish and knowing this she bent the knee what won't we do for those we cherish and thus she prayed to jove on high oh please don't let tithonus die and this the whole of her endeavour that tithy dear might live for ever now jove although a deity was very fond of mortal ladies and more than once he even he had grieved to see them go to hades i quite agree with you he said tithonus would be dull if dead so be content i even i decree tithonus shall not die aurora full of love and joy laughed out in pluto's face of gloom and hastened off to tell her boy that she had saved him from the tomb but ah how foolish to forget one other evil to be met tis sad to say but must be told she quite forgot he might grow old grow old he did as most men do grew grey and bald and round of tummy grew deaf grew cross and crabbed too grew bent and wrinkled like a mummy oh gee oh fudge my sakes good lands what's this i've got upon my hands aurora cried nor gave a hang who heard her use such vulgar slang alas she cried is it decreed and it is even right and proper that i forevermore should feed a foolish mulish old grasshopper tithonus hopped for you must know that what a goddess says is so tithonus stricken but resigned hopped out of sight and out of mind the moral is that age and youth have i been illy yoked together for love cannot survive in truth a prolonged spell of wintry weather so when you hear your lady sigh alas my love will never die just heed aurora's hint i say 
and hope no more but hop away ariadne fool not to know that love endures no tie and jove but laughs at lovers perjury dryden the minotaur a horrid beast which made its food of maidens fair and handsome youths to say the least had given athens quite a scare since athens sent each year to crete a batch of folks for him to eat till on king minos athens soured for no one likes to be devoured just as the folks of athens had prepared to risk their all in war young theseus to the king his dad proffered his services and swore that he would go to crete and slay the minotaur without delay and so with helmet box and grip he started on the fateful trip now minos had a daughter fair who was humane as well as cretan and all in all she did not care to see the handsome stranger eaten so she resolved that she would aid young theseus in his escapade although she knew her royal dad would certainly be hopping mad the minotaur king minos kept within a sort of mystic maze and in those corridors unswept a man might wander lost for days and ariadne's scheme in fine was just to take a ball of twine and let the youth unroll the thing and so be guided by the string all went as planned o lucky star the sword of theseus soon was wet and slaughtered was the minotaur the king had lost his gruesome pet the lovers fled the monarch's wrath but even on the homeward path the hero bored to hear her weep on noxus left her fast asleep the moral is you should not string young men unless you know them well for love is an uncertain thing and strange young men however swell if loosely tied and quickly bored will quit you of their own accord io io and jove were holding hands one day beside a sylvan stream and drawing hearts upon the sands epitome of love's young dream fair io murmured on my life why took you juno for your wife the ox-eyed juno in good sooth peroxide would be nearer truth tut tut said jove you should not speak so slightingly of my good spouse she has been busy all this week upon olympus cleaning house and while she sweeps i've naught to do but stay here making love to you she would do well the maiden replies to sweep the dust from out her eyes alas for io juno heard her idle words within the hour some gossip of a bee or bird repeated them from flower to flower until twas whispered by the leaves at juno's threshold jove deceives deceived again she cried in rage to see what happened turn the page or if the printer can find room to print another line on this i'll state that juno heard a boom of thunder which is when gods kiss and hurried angrily to where she thought to find the erring pair but reaching there she saw i vow no maiden but a heifer cow 
for jove grown wise in other years in which he got his just deserts was ever pricking up his ears to hear the swish of juno's skirts so when he heard her on his trail he made his hat a milking pail and changed poor io trembling now into the semblance of a cow but juno was not quite a fool and saw at once her husband's trick and though appearing calm and cool resolved to make that heifer sick a lovely cow cried she divine i cannot rest till it is mine jove cleared his throat and smoothed his vest but had to grant his wife's request alas for io juno sent a gadfly which beset her sore and drove her which was the intent from sea to sea and shore to shore to egypt and the barbados perhaps to iowa who knows the gadfly followed where she went and stung her to his heart's content and so it happens even now although she vainly tries to grab it the gadfly stings the gentle cow he keeps it up from force of habit dido up then melpomene the mournfulest muse of nine such cause of mourning never hadst afore up grisly ghost and up my rueful rhyme spencer on such a night as shakespeare once remarked on such a night as lovers love to spoon aeneas in his cockle-shell embarked and left poor dido weeping neath the moon a palm-leaf in her hand as shakespeare said the crown of ancient carthage on her head twas thus aeneas jilted the fair dame and put the chivalry of greece to shame fair dido to go back a little way had fled the vengeance of her brother's ire who slew her wealthy husband one fine day and chased his widowed sister out of tyre pygmalion was the name he bore at court though dido always called him pig for short methinks the greedy nature of the youth made dido's nickname fit him well in truth arriving then on afric's sunny shore with some few friends who followed in her train she built herself some houses and a store laid out a street and called it lover's lane and since the town was hers none could gainsay her right to royal rule and social sway and so it is quite easy to be seen how when aeneas came he found her queen aeneas and some refugees from troy were wandering about uncharted seas aeneas had a cold unlucky boy twould wring your heart to hear his mournful sneeze in fact they all were troubled as to nose clad as they were in lightest marching clothes so when they came at last to dido's land they were a sick and sorry-looking band not unacquainted with distress she said i've learned to succor all the down and out straightway she had them all tucked into bed and caused her heralds in the street to shout queen dido seeks a sovereign cure for chills bring mustard plasters poultice and pills the victor she'll reward and make his name a synonym for fortune and for fame as always when incentive is supplied some pharmacist got busy on the spot made little pills with quinine stuffed inside 
she made him rich but famous he is not we take them now but who is there can tell the doctor who first served mankind so well but let us haste the yarn beyond all doubt grows dull apace and slow and long drawn out to cut it short she loved him he loved her he stuck around she made him quite at home the two were quite domestic i infer until aeneas took a boat for rome rome wasn't there but what cared he for that most any town will do to dodge a flat aeneas felt that he could love that spot where'er it be so be dido was not dido deserted built a funeral pyre on which she mounted with a wicked knife she bade a servant set the thing afire and with the dagger put an end to life so perished dido died oh died for love so dido died as i have said above sweet dido loveliest lady of the land on such a night a palm-leaf in her hand the moral this is not a moral tale what do we learn from it well i should say we learn that merry widows sometimes fail and cutting didos doesn't always pay daphne fair daphne was a modest miss a convert of the kiss-not fad who swore no man should know her kiss unless it be her dear old dad e'en as a tod it caused her grief to play at drop the handkerchief she called each youthful suitor brute who offered her a chaste salute in vain her father bade her wed in vain he urged in vain entreated she only shook her pretty head and all his arguments defeated talk not of men she said to me diana's priestess i would be and range the woods heart free foot loose to kill the chipmunk and the moose ah well he sighed it is a shame and rather mars this graceful verse i cannot rhyme his beastly name ah well perhaps you might do worse i longed for grandsons but a sigh the cost of living sure is high i'm tired of fish and long for liver her pa peneus was a river and so it happened daphne did devote her days unto the chase whenever she saw a man she hid nor would she show her pretty face to any man except her father a modest little maiden rather so modest she she would not flirt her dainty little hunting skirt though best laid plans of mice and men may go astray no mouse no man can hope to bring the wit in play that e'en the dullest godling can for gods beat human folks all hollow, especially the god Apollo. Apollo, who was far from stupid, had heard of Daphne from Dan Cupid, and he resolved that he would see how true young Cupid's tale might be. He laid in wait and spied the maid, who tripped along the woodland path, in haste and somewhat disarrayed, intent upon her evening bath, not dreaming that a soul was near until upon her startled ear there broke a single lovelorn sigh which warned her that the god was nigh 
then like a startled fawn she fled the grass scarce bending neath her feet her hair outstreaming from her head her face as pale as any sheet and as she fled the god pursued a most ungentle act and rude and gained and gained and gained so fast she thought her breath must fail at last help help she cried peneus aid your daughter save oh save me now so weary and so sore afraid and in a moment on her brow some tiny twigs began to grow her feet took root for you must know her father by divine decree transformed his daughter to a tree ah cried apollo what is this my tree you can't escape me now upon her trunk he pressed a kiss poor daphne blushed in every bough you have said he a lovely limb say honest i'm ashamed of him how sad to see a perfect lady become a character so shady the moral is be careful how you dress when you go out to swim poor daphne might be hunting now instead of wearing trunks for him End of part one.